Because we're talking about cats today. It's Cat Week. Woo! That's a nationally recognised thing. It's Cat Week. Yay! Well, cats. Goy loves them. I mean, I've got two cats that come in at my garden regularly. I've just given them to like my own name for them because I don't actually know what they're called. So one's called Eight Ball because it's black and white, and the other one's a big fluffy thing called Q Ball because it's mostly white and grey, and know, with bits of grey through it. It's got like a fluffy tail and little pantaloons at the back. It's so sweet. Oh, you have my little cat. Close the little cat. And I'm currently wearing uh, my slippers from Carol Baskin's gift shop. Because yes. Carol Baskin <laughs> also loves cats. Not even one of my weird surreal jokes. I genuinely am wearing slippers from Carol Baskin's gift shop. And she did kind of murder her husband, but hey ho, and fed him but, to her tigers. But whatever. I really so would all like to do that at some that. point. I was fine with that because he didn't seem very nice and I kind of like her. She has a weird energy that I'm into. So, <laughs> you know, if your husband's a dick and you want to kill him, sure business. Tell us about your cat, Mark. Uh, well, he's small and he's a little bit fat. So, <laughs> we've got things in common and things different. <laughs> he enjoys screaming at doors and also screaming at the rain. <laughs> That's it, those are main hobbies. Well, it's interesting you should say about the rain because I've got um some interesting sort of myths about cats and rain. Ooh. So could be something to that. If it's to do with them screaming the rain. I don't really know a way. Like, I don't get what he's trying to do. He quite he's like, trying to tell you it's raining. I mean, basically, yeah. He, like, he doesn't like to go far outside. He just likes to sit around the back of my house. But if it's raining, he doesn't like to go out. But, yeah, he'll make me open the back door and then just sit at the back door and, like, look out at the rain and then back at me and then out at the rain and then back at me and when he looks back at me he goes I'm like okay <laughs> was he like Mark why are you not stopping the rain I want to go out he used to be really like fucked off about it I think he does want to turn the rain off which oh no, I'm sure I do not have the ability to turn off the rain and tell the people your tell the people your cat's name and why you called him that Oh, so his name is Mahis, which is the Egyptian god of war. He's basically like, I feel like people are more familiar with Mars. <laughs> he has a planet named after him. He's basically like the Egyptian Mars, but he's got like a cute ears. And my cat, although all cats have big ears and small heads, but he's got a particularly small head for his fat body and <laughs> huge big ears. So he looks like a little little Egyptian god. He's a... yeah. <laughs> When I stayed over at your place, he liked to jump on my chest and wake me up at like 5 a.m. He apps, in fact, one of his other hobbies is um, to swap <laughs> his muscles. Like, he's, he's really into that as well. He loves to like climb on your chest 
and then like just sort of push your nipple. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's a kink or what's going on with them. It's not like a claw thing, it's just like a sort of. Oh, I mean, if it's going to say if you start licking your nipples, that's going to be a bit bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rescue the cat. I used to have a cat called Jasper and he was a ginger tom. Um, ginger and white and he was a bit feral because he used to just wander the streets and when my dad was still working at Rolls Royce he would wander into the factory late at night and he would just make a beeline for my dad's desk and jump up on it and um, my dad just after a while just assumed after meeting pal like meeting friends with this cat that he was a, like a stray so he took him he took him home <laughs> His mate lent him a cat box and he took him home and I came home from art school and I was like, what the fuck is this cat doing in here? Oh my God. And he was like, yeah, I've just decided to take him home and keep him and look after him since he's chosen me. Um, but it turned out that he did, he was microchipped and he belonged to a different family. So we had to contact them and they were like, yeah, we don't really give a fuck about him. So keep him. <laughs> <laughs> and I can kind of see why, because he was a bit feral and sometimes he would attack the fuck out of you, actually scratch and bite you. And he would attack you on the stairs. He seemed to be obsessed with, like, guarding the stairs for some reason. So if you walked up the stairs, he would chase you and bite your ankles. So you would have to, like, distract him. Well, my my, um, tactic was I would get, like, a plastic bag and distract him with that instead of my feet. (laughs) My cat does also really enjoy biting ankles, so that might just be a cat. Yeah, he also loved to play on the stairs because we had a banister that had like it wasn't a closed banister so you could like put your hand in between the railings and then he loved to just like if I put a plastic bag in between the railings he would just put his paws out and grab at the bag (laughs) he loved playing that game and he liked to sit on my seat so whenever I like left my room he would come in and just sit there like it was his seat now and I had to sit on the fucking floor (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he died of old age, I think. He just he just got really sick and, you know, it was really sad when we had to take him and put him down. And yeah, my, my parents were like, I can't have another cat. I can't go through that again. But I'd happily take on another cat. I'm happy with a dog as well, but, you know, whatever. Are, cats are good people. Yeah. So we're going to be talking this um, on this episode specifically about cats, if you didn't know already. Mr. And we know that cats, I think most people know that cats were worshipped in ancient Egypt. In fact, they think that that's when cats were first domesticated and pretty much all the cats are descended from the cats that were domesticated like 5,000 years ago in Egypt because they would start, they were sort of um, African wild cats and they would, they would, like cats do, like the cats that visit my garden, if they think there's food around or whatever, then they would they would sneak in or they would go to the grain stores and they would like try and get little tidbits and in return the humans noticed that oh these cats are sort of killing the rats and stuff that protects our grain so we'll give them a wee reward and then eventually the cats just thought well this is a good uh, sort of relationship I've got a good deal out of this so they kept coming back and eventually they stayed because you know people gave them a wee scratch in the back and a little treat so eventually they just became domesticated and then eventually worshipped as gods. Which seems the correct way for things to be like going. Yeah, and at, and at one point, if you killed a cat, even accidentally in ancient Egypt, the penalty would be death. <laughs> so they really took it seriously. Fine. Like, but, after someone kills a cat, the penalty should be death. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and you also... When we were in, like, yeah? 
like maybe about two, three years after we left school, and there was that guy that lived down the road from you know my mate Bell. You met Bell before, haven't you? Don't think I've ever met Bell. No. Oh, that's random. You should. You'd like him. Yeah. <laughs> but there was that guy that lived like down the road from his parents that got arrested because he was sexually assaulting cats. And I think what? That, yeah. I've not heard this. Oh my god. What? How do you sexually assault a cat? I don't even know how a cat would even let you do that. I'm not entirely sure what he was doing. Like, it was in the papers, but it wasn't (laughs) horribly explicit detail. But, yeah, I feel like if you wanted to, like, if someone killed that guy, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we'd just execute him. Do throw him at the crocodiles. Do throw him at the crocs. But on downsides as well, when um, the cult of the cat became quite, like, more popular and whatever, a lot of um, priests and te- of the Temple of Bast would they would have their own catteries that they would specifically breed the cats to sacrifice for Bast, but they would then mummify them and they would bury them. <laughs> Not that that's really nice for the cat, but still, they in, in their head that by sacrificing the cat they were going back to Bast anyway, and they also mummified the cats and they would sell them to pilgrims or people who would visit. And they would give them to these pilgrims to actually get them um, settled, like put down at an altar for Bast to give back the divine spirit to her and get something in return. Because recently, um, archaeologists have discovered quite a lot of cat burials um, in certain areas in Egypt. And there was hundreds of them, thousands of them, all mummified and buried, like all in their own sarcophagi and stuff. Oh, imagine they all came back from the dead like mummies in movies and you just had that. <laughs> I'd love yeah. that. That'd be so cute. And also when um, a cat, if it was a domestic cat that it belonged to a family, then, and I don't know if you want to do this, Mark, but, you know, should, um, well, it will happen, unfortunately, Mahith eventually pass away, you would have to, in respect for your cat, out of mourning for your cat, shave off your eyebrows, because that's what they would do. And if their dog died, they'd shave off all their body hair. <laughs> I wonder if, so one of the boys that I teach showed up to school yesterday, now to be fair, I think it's because he's a bit punk. I quite like him. He showed up to school yesterday and he'd shaved off his eyebrows and shaved a massive cock and balls into his hairline. (laughs) And my mate Pamela, who I've mentioned before to Mark, shout out to Pamela from Mark, and I were like, quite, I mean, like if that's how you want to express yourself, and now I'm realising, and maybe he was respecting his dead cat. Yeah, maybe he was just that upset about his cat that he just he just did it the ancient Egyptian way and then yeah. decided to call himself a dickhead at the same time. For not saving his cat's life, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And then my school was all judgy about it, which, you know, <laughs> rude. Like, <laughs> it's just expressing himself. Also, on a side note, if you want to shave off your eyebrows and shave a dick in your head, it's your head. Go mad. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, doesn't you could say it's not a dick. A cock and balls. I mean, I suppose if he's honest about it, then that's fine. But you could say, oh well, it's it's not a cock and balls. It's a flying snake with big eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the ancient Egyptians they would they would shave off their eyebrows and then they would have a big they would mourn for weeks on end um, because their dead cat, the whole family would be devastated, and then they would get it mummified and have it buried. Which I think people should do. I mean, I would love to have done that for Jasper. Maybe not shave my eyebrows off, but we'll get him mummified and give him a nice send-off rather than just shoving him in an incinerator in the vets. Yeah. I kind of wish I'd had that done with Aslan. Or, who was my pre-listener? Aslan, I loved Aslan. He was a big ginger beast. Like, think how good a cushion he would be. Oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I feel like he'd be fine with that respectfully because you know he quite liked to try and sleep on people's faces. Oh, like, what he, he made him into like Carol Baskins. He was great. You could make him into slippers. I could. No, then I wouldn't have him. I was going to say I could make him into slippers and then send him to Carol Baskin and then we both have each other's <laughs> But as much as I love you, Carol, I assume you're listening. I assume she listens to everything cat-themed online. Yeah. I wouldn't send you my dead cat. But if you're listening, get in contact and we can make another episode about mythical cats in the future and you can be like our special guest. Oh man, imagine getting Carol Baskin on. Oh, I couldn't great. resist though asking her if she killed her husband and fed I mean, it to the tigers. I mean, that would be the interview over, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd be like, Joe, Joe Exotic, you put your husband in the tiger cage and fed him. You ground him up. You killed him, Carol. It's a really shit impression of Joe Exotic. <laughs> With my three wives. <laughs> and they have no teeth and they've got loads of tattoos of yeah. my face. Yeah. You don't have three... 19 year old toothless wives <laughs> well i could start you know <laughs> it's a joe exotic way <laughs> have my sister buried in my garden and have a big shrine towards her and yeah keep some some monkeys instead of I mean, cats i'd rather if you were going along with him that you did it bury your sister in your garden seeing as your sister is one very nice and two still alive <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, that would be a bit premature. <laughs> you could bury it up to the shoulder so you could still go out and chat to her. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's odd. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I mean, now that I think about it, it, it would be quite funny. But so, which, what kind of um, stories have you got for us about cats for this uh, Like, I'm so intrigued. I've got a Cherokee cat story and I've got a Viking cat story. They're both sort of today, I guess. So in Viking lore, I learn about cats that the goddess Freya was pulled on her chariot by two big cats. And again, they they had the sort of like Balbadir was a cat god or something in, in Viking lore, but he got killed and she was upset. So she had to go and get him with her cats and take him away. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that Vikings have some cat myths i didn't know like what you were just saying until i started looking into this cat myth and uh the yola sorry yola cotter yola cotter so the yola cotter that i was looking at might be the same type of cat as the cat that dragged freya's chariot so it's nor mostly like talked about in iceland nowadays although again all of your your former viking peoples uh, are quite into yola cotters I guess, if that would be the point, I've decided. So they seem to trace back to what you were talking about. So Freya's huge cats, but the actual first examples of them in any kind of writing didn't come until the early 19th century. So, which is obviously quite a long time for them to be passed down, like Mm. early instead of in writing. It's quite unusual for a... With Vikings, Viking stories weren't generally written down. They were just orally like told to each other around the fireplace so maybe that's why they didn't actually write any of the myths down until the 19th century i don't know yeah. just a few and then people including bjork started writing it down uh, one about the yola cotter and also shout out just everyone everyone i mentioned today shout out to them love bjork as well i love um, bjork bjork is a yola cotter fan so yola cotters sleep in spring and summer and they're active in autumn and winter so they're like, they reverse hibernate. I mean, that kind of makes sense for cats because they like coming out in the dark and winter yeah. time's a lot darker. 
and then obviously the further north you go the longer and brighter your summer yeah. days shorter and darker your winter days are so it makes sense for it not to be out and about in summer the time it's most active is the end of december slash start of january which again is when like christmas and new year long and dark um, and that's also where it gets its name from so if you translate yola cotter into english it translates as the yule cat so the yule cat the yule cat oh so like, like a christmas yule log yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like it basically it would arrive at the same time as you would have your Yule log and your Yule feast and your Yule tree and all oh, of these no. oh, traditions. I mean, I hate Christmas, but that sounds great. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan. Like some of the stories of it are slightly terrifying. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, would you like me to let you know what the yeah. Yule looks like? Yeah, so, detail. Yule hence why it could possibly drag Freya's chariot, is huge. It's an absolutely massive cat. It's described as being larger than a polar bear. So, you know, wow, that's that is a big cat. It would be, tiger. yeah, I think if it was alive, it would possibly be the biggest or around about the biggest big cat that is currently in existence. Um, although, again, it's crypt today. So whether it exists or not, we don't know. It has razor sharp teeth that can tear you apart. It's a very portly cat. That's not from the stories of the, <laughs> the actual Icelandic writings. But uh, any pictures of it, any descriptions of it, is basically like it's it's a hefty big beast. Um, that makes me happy. It's normally described as having black fur all over its body, and it's got a sort of squat black and grey face. So kind of a bit Persian, but not quite as flat. All right. And it's got like a short, thick black tail, um, so quite short for a cat and really, really thick for a cat. It preys on... So most of the mythology around about it say that it preys on either large fish or large birds, which would make sense because, you know, smaller cats prey on small fish and small birds. Um, But there's also part Mm. of mythology that it may or may not prey on um, small, badly dressed children. (laughs) So it's fashion conscious. Apparently so. So like any of the stories of it uh, preying on humans, it only ever seems to carry off children. And and it's always specifically referenced that the children were either badly dressed or not well dressed, not well turned out, um, wearing two years ago's clothes. So (laughs) (laughs) it's channeling a bit of Donatella Versace. Well, it makes me think of the cat from Red Dwarf because he's always really fashion conscious and stylish all the time. He gets really upset if his clothes are wrinkled or someone's got a bad outfit on. So he might be one of them. Maybe Yola Cotters are the species of cat that cats evolved from. Yeah. That would make sense. But um, why? What was the reasoning behind that? There must be something behind that, surely. Or is it? Where are they getting that from? So some of the more modern stories, and I think it goes back to like stuff we've talked about before, with like church coming in and going like, "Pagan school is done with. It's Christmas now. Fuck this thing." And um, <laughs> I tried to do that, but it didn't really work because people were still like, "We love the Yola Cotter." But um, the when the church came in, they kind of gave him like vaguely crap or him or. They're, they're both genders, or all three genders, or all five genders, whatever gender you are. I, I don't know if you get queer, you all have I might be making that up. But I well, they get... might be because they love clothes or am I just stereotyping gay people now? I mean, to be fair, I'm queer. I love fashion. <laughs> well, I don't you all so. But, you know, you definitely have at least, I imagine, male and female identifying Yola Cotter because they have little Yola Cotter kittens. 
But um, yeah, so the church tried to give them sort of Krampus vibes and said that. Oh. So the two things they kind of said were they would eat the children, the children of poor families, but then that almost immediately developed into they would eat badly dressed children. So it's fine if you're poor, but you're well dressed. It's sort of statistical correlation between living in poverty and being badly dressed that mm. the people of Iceland decided the Yolokotters really annoyed about. And I then love the, that so much. The, the church said is that they'd eat you if you were lazy. But again, I think we're going down the line of like, if you were too lazy to go to church on Sunday, whereas, I mean, Icelandic people are wonderful. Uh, the Icelandic people changed, allowed that to be added into the myth, but changed it to, it will eat you specifically in December, but just if you're not doing your household chores. So, it's a bit like Santa having a list of the kids who are not your nice, and then if they're not nice, then they get no presents, but... It's a bit more violent in Iceland. Yeah, the Yolokotter's like, you don't have <laughs> flatmates and you dress like a fud. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Happy Yule. <laughs> you wear socks over your trackies. You're dead, mate. <laughs> now, to go for a slight tangent, one of my favourite stories about the Yolokotter is that there was a fight about it in Reykjavik. So, the not the government of Reykjavik, the council of Reykjavik, the local government in Reykjavik spend £19,000 a year celebrating the Yolokotter. They have statues to it and the statues require upkeep. And they have a winter festival to it. And one of the rival politicians who wanted to like basically take over from the mayor of Reykjavik, she ran on a platform of pointing out that the Yolokotter would prefer that the donated the £19,000 a year to children's charities to allow children to have access to better clothing (laughs) on any kind of festival for the Yolokotter because it doesn't want people to worship it. It just wants people to be (laughs) well-dressed. She put the Yolokotter on the fashion council, right? (laughs) Which makes me exceptionally happy. So there's... That's all the main information plus funny story I've got on the Yolokotter. But I've got a couple of other, like, not stories, but possible ideas about where it came from. Some people think that it was the cats that dragged um, Freya's chariot and that they basically are loose and had bread. And that's where the population of Yolokotter in Iceland and other Nordic countries come from. Um, some people think that Yolokotter are real. They're just a huge breed of cats. And the reason that they look so similar to the cats that we keep in our houses is because they're an, they're like an evolutionary offshoot of house cats. So when Vikings started keeping house cats, people think maybe Yolokotter were just a larger breed that have progressively got larger and larger and larger. Some cryptozoologists have suggested that the Yolokotter might actually be a type of undiscovered bear that is very rare to the point of almost being extinct. And the reason that it's described as a gigantic, bigger than a bear, flat-faced cat is because it's just a bear. <laughs> it's a bear kind of it. <laughs> a bear-sized flat-faced cat. Is it like um, that dog that was in the Beijing Zoo that they claimed was a lion, but it was just a big fluffy dog? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, other <laughs> zoologists suggest that it is uh it is the thought to be extinct relative of the still living Norwegian forest cat. Now I've looked. Oh, I love them. I want one of them. 
they're quite big. I think it would require quite a lot of exaggeration on people's part to say that the Icelandic breed of that cat, which is now non-existent, is actually still existent, but to get it muddled up with the Yolok otter, because I think you're maybe increasing it by about like mm. 70-fold. <laughs> I love those Norwegian cats. Um, I read something about them that they believe that particular in Norway that that cat, if you look into its eyes, you can see you you gain insight into the fairy world that you can see into the fairy world through its eyes. Like they're a portal to the goblins or something. I love that. One, I believe that because their eyes are amazing. And two, that weirdly just leads straight on to the next one. Oh, brilliant. The question is obviously because the fairy world is really, really important to like Nordic pagan beliefs. Um, And there's still plenty of um, shrines and churches specifically dedicated to that branch of paganism in Iceland. And some people think that the Yolok otter is just a breed of cat, but it's a breed of cat specifically bred by hill trolls because hill trolls are so big, but they're yeah. cats, so they would just want a really big cat. So in order Fair for it to be a comparable size of cat of them to us, it would have to be like house cat to Yolok otter. Trolls have nice clothes. Or maybe it's because the trolls don't have nice clothes, so the Yolok otters are like pissed off, so they just take it out on people who aren't wearing nice clothes. Because they have to live with the badly dressed all the time. Yeah. And then the other one that I don't really like is that they've been kind of used as a bit of a like motif for um, Icelandic tourism <laughs> to say oh. that it is specifically targeting the poor. That like the myth is because there's a link between the laziness of the poor and if you're badly dressed, it's because you're poor. So it's kind of saying that you should try and work yourself out of poverty. But obviously oh. I reject that one because the Yolokotter would not stand for absolute fuckwanks. Therefore, we're not like Tories, so so that one can't be true. No, I'd, I'd say that that wouldn't be true either. And um, how fucking rude to say that you know people who are poor are badly dressed. I'm sure there's plenty of poor people who can improvise and make their own nice clothes or whatever. Yeah, well dressed is not about how much money yeah. you have; it's about how fantastic you are. Not all I, poor people are wallowing in fucking filth and mud. Well, some people are, but that's your choice. And most Tories dress like shit, so I yeah, think that's true. if the Holocotter was to come to your town, it would maul all the Tories for being dressed like actual hags. Yeah. Actual <laughs> <hags>. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's um, the story of the Holocotter, which is my, my first story for today. Yeah, love I love it. Um, I think it's fantastic. I want a big, gigantic, fat, bear-sized, squashed face cat to come hang at my house and compliment my outfits. Like, I suppose the only way you can lure it is to dress really badly for a while and then when it comes, just quickly put on a really bitching outfit so it becomes your friend. Yeah, and I think then it would stay. Like, <laughs> do you think Donatella Versace moved to Iceland? Or, or nah, she? I don't like her. Um, oh. I would probably go oh. with um, maybe... Oh, he's dead now. Kenzo, the Japanese uh, designer. Yeah. What's that? The, like, queer... Um, country and western singer he wears all the masks um oh, do you know who i mean no not really not that it matters because i was just going to say maybe he has a yolokotter but I mean, it seems a bit rare that you get a queer country and western singer fabulous i can't believe that i can't remember his name two seconds i'm going to google him just now <laughs> and then we'll just make it like our own personal lore that he has a pet yolokotter he's a patron saint of the yolokotter do you think if I just, no, if I just Google gay cowboy something very <laughs> Well, I think, 
I think a lot of stuff will come up if you if you Google gay cowboy. Maybe uh, <laughs> broke back mountain. Orville oh. Peck. Orville Peck, no, I've not heard of him. I'll need to look him up. I'm intrigued. I think you'd really like his aesthetic. Right, I've got my iPad with me, right? What's he called? Orville. Orville. That's such, that's such a country and western name as well. Peck, P-E-C-K. Peck. Yeah. He wears kind of like high fashion cowboy. Oh my god, I love it! Like he's got yeah. like a he's got like a full cowboy outfit on with a like a gimp sort of leather mask with fringing and coming off it. It's amazing. He's quite fat. In fact, this is my favorite outfit. Hold on. What? I'm going to send it to you. Oh, no, I've not got my phone with me now, but I will look oh. at it. Okay, well, I'll send it to you. You can look at it oh, later. Oh, look, there he is without his mask. Mm. He's got a tash. Yeah, he's, he's a very sexy Yolokoto. <laughs> oh, he's got a pink outfit as well. And I've never heard of this guy before. I'm glad you showed me him. Cause he's yeah, really I feel cool. like he's very much like up your street. <laughs> totally is. There, I've, I mean, you won't be able to see it just now, but uh, enjoy yeah, the, the I understand you think him. Like uh, tattoos in this outfit, and I'm also a big fan of... The Yolokotters will absolutely love him. Yeah. <laughs> flock to him. I could just what imagine him wandering around with a massive pack of them all just gracefully <laughs> walking next to him. <laughs> and eating the badly dressed. Any homophobes, badly dressed people, where Tories come near him, the Yolokotter just mauls them. Amazing. I was going to round this wee tiny like section up by saying which one of the explanations of Yolokotter do you think is true, but I think we've established that this is the explanation of Yolokotter that's true. <laughs> They used to work for Freya, and now they work for Orville Peck. Yeah, but, I reckon they would probably definitely be attracted to Orville Peck. <laughs> we should write to him. He could also be a guest. <laughs> oh, how amazing would that be? I mean, I don't know if he would ever come on our little podcast, but that would be pretty awesome. That would be amazing. Well, I've got a little desk, um, buddy. I've got quite a few. I've got Bastet, which you bought me when... I don't know, when I was 18, I don't know, 17 or something for my Christmas. One of the best gifts ever. Like she's a beautiful uh, pewter, I think, she's made of. I'm not sure what um, material, but she's sort of gloriously beautiful and she sits on my desk, very elegant. And then when I was in Amsterdam, I kept, I, I loved to go to Chinatown in Amsterdam and visit the Chinese temple there. And the weird thing is, I always thought these these creatures, these things were Chinese. You, I don't know if you've ever seen in a Chinese restaurant or in a shop window, like a gold cat with its paw in the air and it waves. Yeah, I thought they were Chinese as well. They're not Chinese. They're Japanese in origin. But because I think they were just, there's a reason why the Chinese probably adopted them, which I'll get on to. So it's called the Maneki Neko. Good name. Which is Japanese for beckoning cat. It's a Common Japanese figurine, which is often believed to bring good luck to the owner. In modern times, they're usually made of ceramic or plastic. Mine's is plastic. You put a little battery in the back of it, and then that's what makes it wave its little its little, hat, its little paw. And it depicts a cat, traditionally a calico Japanese bobtail. Now, a Japanese bobtail, there's more to a story. There's a reason why these cats don't have tails, why they've got bobtails. But it's quite a common cat in Japan, and it's one of the most like sort of well-loved cats in Japan. So it has a paw raised and a Japanese beckoning gesture. They're often displayed in shops, restaurants, pachinko parlors. Pachinko parlors are like sort of because Jap- 
in Japan they have strict gambling laws, but the way to get around is, is they have these pachinko parlours, which is basically lots of little steel balls, like little tiny ball bearings. And you, it's like pinball. It's like a weird version of pinball, basically. It's dead noisy. And what they do is, um, to get around the sort of gambling thing, is they play pachinko and they get so many points or whatever and they get like a voucher. And then they can go to like a shop and swap that voucher for money, which they're not supposed to do, but that's what they do. They're in dry cleaners. Generally, if you've got a business, it's good to have a Maneco figurine in it. They come in different colours and styles, varying degrees of details. Common colours are black, white, white, black and gold, which is mine's is black, gold and... No, it's gold, red and green with a black sort of... I don't know if it's Chinese or Japanese. Might just say Maneco or welcome or something. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it says. I don't read kanji. They're traditionally seated and they hold a Koban coin with one paw raised and a beckoning gesture so it may seem it's rather waving than beckoning. I think a lot of people think it's just waving, but it's actually beckoning you. So that's why they have them in businesses, because they're actually beckoning people in to their premises. Like, oh. come on in. And the reason <laughs> the reason behind that is there's a legend that in 17th century Japan, this is one of a couple of legends about it. There was a poor monk that lived in a small Zen temple in Setagaya, in Tokyo. His life was very difficult. He shared his own meagre meals with his pet cat, even though he didn't have much for himself, which strayed into the temple. So one day, a lord samurai called Lee Nayataka of the Hikone Domain District was on his way to hunt when suddenly there was a storm and he had to seek safety under a big tree near this temple. And sheltering there, he noticed the cat and it was raising one paw as if waving him to the temple. So this sort of sparked his curiosity. So he left his cover and headed for the temple to have a better look at this strange cat. And as he did so, a lightning, a lightning bolt destroyed the tree beneath which he had just been standing. So Naka, Nakaota was so grateful that he became the patron of the temple and he repaired it to become more spacious. And when that cat died, he was buried in a special graveyard for cats. In the temple, a statue of Maneki Neko was made to commemorate that it had been revered ever since. So they're saying that the cat was beckoning with his paw to save the guy from being struck by lightning. It's so sweet. Yeah, I like that. That's lovely. It just shows you how nice cats are. Um, alternatively, according to a folk tale, there's another tale, and this is where it comes into, this is where it ties in with businesses. An operator of an impoverished shop or temple, or it could be a tavern or an inn, took in a starving stray cat, despite barely having enough to feed himself. So again, it's the guy who's, you know, he's poor, doesn't have a lot of food, but he will be willing to feed, share his food with a nice cat. So in gratitude, the cat sat in front of the store, beckoning customers, thus bringing prosperity as a reward to the charitable proprietor. And ever after, the beckoning cat has been a symbol of good luck for small business owners. It's also been, so like what I've got on my desk People also keep it on their desk. If you're a student and you have the beckoning cat, it weighs in sort of prosperity and good luck and concentration and stuff like that for yourself. I like that idea. Yeah. So you see them everywhere because of its popularity in Chinese and Vietnamese communities and including a lot of China towns around the world. 
The Maneki Neko is frequently mistaken for being Chinese in origin rather than Japanese and is incorrectly referred to as a Chinese lucky cat, which is what I thought it was because that's I where I first saw it. And also with you saying that, like, when I was in Vietnam, they were everywhere as well, but mm. it occurred to me that they were Japanese. Oh, and it says meow, which makes sense because it does look like them. And Pokemon is based on the Maneki Neko. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Meow. Yeah, you're that right. You look so alike. That used to really fucking annoy me, that cat from Pokemon, because all he ever said was meow, meow. But then none of the Pokemons really have, like, they only just say the same word. Like, how the hell do you know what they're saying? My Pikachu, Pika, Pika, what, what? Saying his name wise was coughing, just because I thought it was funny that just floated about going coughing, coughing, coughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that the, the, um, the ancient Egyptians called their cats Mao. As in, what did they call the Mao because of how they sounded? But that was really sweet. But then, do you think because they were like godlike beings to them, they were like, "What's your name?" And they were like Mao, so that's what they thought their names were. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, they called them uh, Mao. I think that's so cute. I mean, I suppose what's other names for cats? Mao, Kitty, Cat, Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what can you think of any other names that people call cats? Yeah. Feline, I suppose. No, no. no. I think Mal's cute. I like I like Moggy. Moggy. I, I call um he's Mog quite a lot just randomly. I like that the female cats are called queens and male cats are just toms. It makes them sound very I don't know, like a, a good working class family. So in keeping with the Japanese cat theme that I'm going with here, I've got a few tales of some wicked Japanese cats. So they're called the Bakaneko and the Nekomata. The Bakaneko, which has sometimes been translated as monster cat or ghost cat, Ooh. but the best definition in English may simply be changing cat. So it's a mythological cat. They're yokai, which in Japan means supernatural creatures. And they allegedly began as regular domestic cats. So it's similar to the, what are they called again? The Yolo Cotter. Yeah, Yolo Cotter. So they're similar to that because they allegedly began as regular domestic cats. But they say that as cats get older, they change. That's why they were called the changing cat. The process starts with them walking on their hind legs. Although with time, the cats gain more powers and then grow larger, like the Yolokai even to the size of a human. And then they have the ability to change their forms and sometimes speak human languages so they can eventually speak in, like, Japanese or whatever human, like, language they're around. That makes me think of the the Kitsune that we did. Yeah, they're, similar to that, but they're yeah, similar idea. So stories at the back and echo suggest that the favourite form to shift into for these devious cats is their owners or just other humans, so basically anyone. The change reportedly makes the cats, this is the bit that made me laugh the most, and there's a really funny picture that I'll post on the Facebook page, that says that it makes them so happy when they change into humans that they put napkins on their heads and dance. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a drawing here of a dancing back in Echo wearing a napkin, and it's literally just a cat on its hind legs having a final time with a napkin on its head. I mean, when I'm happy, I put an napkin on my head and dance. Like, I get that. <laughs> you probably get one of those sort of, like, like, gold foil ones that you get, like the paper towels. <laughs> so, other powers of the mythical Bakaneko include 
they summon, they can summon fireballs, their tails acting as torches to set fires. They can control the dead and they can curse or kill their previous owners if they see fit. Nothing to do with fashion, I don't think. I think it's just if, <laughs> if they're not, if they're not treated well, which is a sort of like, quite rightly, you should treat your cat or any cat well. Otherwise, yeah. it will come back and burn you to death if you treat fairly. it right. Hmm? Quite fairly. Like, yeah, fair to, enough. To burn people to death if they are rude to you. So they're not as they're not too bad, but then there's the Bakaneko's evil cousin, which is called the Nekomata, and they're basically powered up Bakaneko, so like a Pokemon that's evolved into something bigger. And badass. So legends of the Nekomata begin in a similar way to the Bakaneko, a, a domestic cat standing on its hind legs. But the Nekomata are the oldest and largest cats and have longer tails than the Bakaneko. They're said to have two identical tails after their change, enabling them to create double the trouble. So it's believed that they can also speak human languages and they use the ability to create extra havoc in human lives. Legends show that not all Bakaneko are nefarious. All Nekatoma, um, sorry, Nekamata are thought to be. The Nekamata are found to find great pleasure in creating chaos and are thought to be responsible for large fires and blackmailing or enslaving humans. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like evil cattle. Because large fires, because of their fireballs, also sometimes they black people. Like, I know you slept with Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Random cat threats. So, like, the back of Neko is just quite, like, chill compared to the Nekomata that's just, like, totally full-on batshit crazy and vindictive. So, they play, the, the legends place the homes of the Nekomata. They live in the mountains. So, they're often said to appear as large wildcats and they live in small packs. If a human comes into the dwelling of a Nekomata, folklore states that they will almost certainly be killed for trespassing. So, not the most welcoming of cats. But it doesn't say certainly, it says almost certainly, so maybe yeah, if you're not so, planning, it's fine about it. Like, yeah, make some exceptions if you're like Orville Pack. Yeah. As with many mythical creatures, the origins may in reality be quite ordinary for the Bacchanato and Nekamata. Some scholars say that the legends began as cats were licking oil from lamps that were fueled by fish oil. <laughs> the mm. appearance of a cat on its hind legs with shining anticipatory eyes understandably shocked and unnerved some folks who saw it and the myth arose soon after yeah i mean cat's eyes can look quite freaky in the dark yeah and especially in the dark if they're reflecting another light source yeah they look otherworldly which is why in medieval times the bloody cunts decided to kill them all because they thought they were evil but we'll get onto that later so as cats did not arrive into Japan until the reign of Emperor Echigo, which is 986 to 1011 AD, during the Edo, or the Edo period, their particular ways were not well known at the time of the emergence of many of the stories. Many people would agree that an old fat cat will probably not turn into a terrible monster. However, to be safe, this is where the bobcat comes in, it became a common practice to bob young cats' tails as a preventative measure. Following the trend, today the most popular cat in Japan is said to be the bobtail. Cats were not simply killed because the murder of a cat was believed to have put a curse on the family as well as a haunting for seven generations. So similarly to the Egyptians, you can't kill the cat because there's going to be consequences for that, as in you're going to be fucked for seven generations. (laughs) So better not have kids then. Good. 
And they're really quite sweet, the little um, Japanese bobtail cat. They do just have like a little sort of like pom-pom for a tail. Oh. And they're mostly white with a sort of black and ginger face with blue eyes. Oh, so cute. cute. And this is another story that made me laugh. So <laughs> there's a famous Japanese legend about the Bakaneko prostitutes of Edo, <laughs> which is the former name of Tokyo. There are many of these stories, but they all share a common thread. The client of the prostitute falls asleep only to awaken to see the beautiful woman picking at fish bones or other seafood while she has a cat head or shadow. Other versions have the cat shadow appear when the man sees a beautiful prostitute casting the shadow as she approaches him on the street. Regardless of the beginning, the legends continue with the man being terrified that he's in the presence of uh, Bakaneko and escaping, if possible. Sometimes the story goes further as the Bakaneko pounces on her victim and kills him. <laughs> Bakaneko prostitutes. That weird cat molester that I spoke about earlier would love that. <laughs> If he had a time machine, he should go back. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the risk is that they might kill him as well. So, win-win. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. So, the, the prostitute reg- the back and echo prostitute legend rose as an urban urban myth from the case of a back and echo that was supposedly working as a Mishimura Ona, which is a type of low-end waitress or like a maid, you know, like working in a maid cafe or something. Mm-hmm. There's a belief that the back and echo prostitute image began as it was not acceptable for prostitutes to eat in front of their customers, so they hunched over their stolen meals as the client slept. When the man awoke, he may have seen her in a distorted way, especially after a night of drinking you'd had. Perhaps unexpectedly, the fad of cat girls remains prominent in modern Japanese manga, anime and video games today. Oh, that's really interesting. And also, it makes me think of like a lot of Japanese ladies don't like people watching them eat, like cover their mouths. So that might tie into that sort of tradition. But it's weird. I mean, imagine you you bang some prostitute and you wake up and you think she's turned into a cat. (laughs) (laughs) So there's more as well. Like, um, I've got more stories. Because I find these, the, I just love these Japanese cat stories. So yeah, I love that. I love. I think the pictures as well of these kind of bakanekos because the bakaneko isn't as bad as an ekumeko, and it, there's a nice story about it. So this is the last story I have. So it says that there's short stories that involve bakaneko helping individuals that cared for them when they were regular cats. Now I love this. I think this is so cute. So normally these stories involve one person, a maid or a grandson, for example, being kind to a cat while another person with more authority, like the mistress of the house or, or whoever, is cruel. So like it's got a cruel master, but then you've got someone who's actually kind to the cat. Yeah. In these stories, the cat eventually becomes a back and echo and by chance meets with its benefactor that was kind to it. And the benefactor of the story were often seeking shelter in a house or a mountain or an island where they tended to live as well with the Nekamaka. And when the Bakaneko sees its old friend, it warns him or her that he or she must leave because the person has stumbled upon a place where the cats gather. Bakaneko also sometimes identifies itself as it provides the individual with a token that will help in its escape from the um, the Nekomata, <laughs> the Nakaneko, I'm presuming. By chance, the person who maltreated the cat also appears in the Bakaneko's future. He or she will be killed by the Bakaneko as revenge. 
undoubtedly the message here is take care of your pets. <laughs> Don't be a bastard to cats. Yeah. So like if you happen to be nice to the cat domestic cat and you come across like you get lost in the mountains and you come across their their like home so you won't be killed by the, the sort of mega bastard of their kind, the mega <laughs> It'll say, Hoy, you were nice to me, so I'm gonna do you a favour. Here's a magic coin, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and you will be killed. So then it goes on to talk about the Maneki Neko of the Beckoning Cat, um, which I've discussed. So and then there's like the Japanese kind of cats and pop culture, like Hello Kitty, which I really don't like. But she's based on a Japanese bobtail cat as well. Oh yeah, yeah. and they have cat islands in Japan where they <laughs> just just like populated by cats. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So there's only 15 human residents and there's 100 cats. And it's a popular tourist spot. And yeah, I think cat, like Japanese just fucking love cats. I feel like 15 people to every 100 cats is the correct, like, yeah. global population that I want. And they're all very well looked after. It's not like they're just left there to become strays. They're, they're, there's temples dedicated to them, like cat shrines, and they get left little toys. And people come and feed them and play with them. So it sounds amazing. <laughs> I want to go to Cat Island. Yeah, I want to go to Cat Island too. Me, you, Barbopec, Bjork and Carol Baskin should all go to Cat Island on holiday together. And there was a story that I quite liked as well about um, the Taizam of Islam and the Quran or something. And Mohammed was quite fond of cats, the Prophet Mohammed. He loved tabby cats, which were kind of like ginger cats. And one of them um, was would sleep on on his sleeve. No. And rather than disturb the cat and wake it up, he actually just cut his sleeve off. Which is so <laughs> I can so relate to that because you know when a cat just wants to lie on your lap, yeah, you I feel so bad for leave like for getting up or disturbing it. He actually cut his sleeve off rather than disturb the cat, which I thought was lovely. And they say that there's an M marking on tabby cats. And that's supposed to be where Muhammad would put his hand on its head to pet it. Oh, I like that story. And I didn't know that story. Yeah, I wish Jasmine's here so I could talk to her about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's all my cat stories. Um, I was just going to talk about like sort of general myths about cats over the years. I have another big cat story and then you can... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure, everyone. General Then myth. we can both talk about that, yeah. Um, so my other cat that I looked at was the... Well, the name that I actually messaged you what I was going to look at is different from the actual name, which makes no sense and was a very clunky sentence, but I'll explain. So I'm looking at the Iowa. Yeah. Uh, so the Iowa is the traditional Cherokee name for this cat, but it's a Cherokee legend. So the more common name used is the Wampus Cat, but the Wampus Cat is like a name that white settlers made up for it. So I actually really like that name, the Wampus Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Cat. Um, Sounds but, like a sort of drum and bass cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of going to alternate between Iowa and Wampus cat, but Iowa is the, the real name for it, I suppose. So the Iowa is a large mountain lion-like cat. And what makes it stand out from other big cats is that it's got six legs instead of four. And it can go faster than any other big cat. Well, with six legs, yeah. <laughs> Yep. So the first Iowa, according to Cherokee legend, was, I've slightly reworded this, a victim of the patriarchy. So they believed that there was a young Cherokee woman and her husband wasn't very trustworthy. He was a bit of a shifty one. So 
whenever he was out, she would watch where he was going because basically he was like playing around. One day he said he was going out hunting and she went to spy on him, but she didn't want him to spot her. So she took the mountain lion skin that they had at home and draped it over herself so that he wouldn't see her moving about in the trees and went to have a look. Now, it turned out that he actually was just out hunting with his friends and wasn't being a mad slag like he so often was. Unfortunately, she was spotted on the hill by a medicine man and he said that she shouldn't be spying on her husband, she should trust him, which again, fucking patriarchy. Like, if he'd shagged her before, don't think she should be trusting him. But the medicine man would not listen to that logic and he cursed her. So the curse was that he made her into a big cat but she ended up with six legs because the weight was draped on her. It was like one of the sets were covering her arms. Then there was a set in the middle and then uh-huh. her out. So they believed that it ended up with her having um, six legs and it also made her immortal. So all of the Iowa or Wampus cats are like her kittens, kittens, kittens that exist now. But they think that she still exists in the mountains and she would exist there forever. That's not um, too bad a curse. And he also said that if anyone looked into her eyes, they would immediately go mad. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I'll take that back. So there's other kind of stories that float about about her and her kittens and they grow up into being other Iowas. Um, but there's a later story about a Cherokee man who decided that he was going to go and slay her because her and her kittens were coming down to um, eat livestock. And when they were eating livestock, it was cutting down the village's livestock. And also there was a, a spread of madness amongst the Cherokee tribe. And they thought this must be from her or her descendants coming down to eat the livestock and people obviously making eye contact with them and then going completely mad. So he went up into the mountain to find her. He cornered her and pulled his knife. But this may surprise you. He went mad because she looked. <laughs> so he was then running about in the trees completely insane. So his wife decided that she was going to go and hunt down the Iowa because if she killed her, that would mean that her husband would return to sanity. So she made herself a special mask using the face of a bobcat, covered over the eyes of the bobcat so that she could basically partially see through it. So she put on this mask and she climbed up into the mountains and she found the Iowa. But when she cornered the Iowa, the Iowa was terrified by the bobcat face with the distorted eyes. And so she fled high into the mountain. Now, what happened was the woman who had gone to hunt her, her name was Running Deer, she she wasn't driven mad by the glance of the Iowa because it was partially distorted, but she was changed because of it. So she also became immortal, and she is uh, another, like, cat legend in her own right. So she became the bobcat-faced woman. So the mask was permanently fused to her face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, why is it always the women that get punished in this? <laughs> so she has the body of a beautiful young woman and the face of a bobcat, and she was immortal. But yeah. she became immortal. Her husband became sane again, so they got to spend the rest of his life together. And the Iowa then no longer had the madness curse. So she remained immortal and she was now able to transform from being a woman into a six-legged cat. So actually, it's worked out quite well for both of them. Oh, um, nice become powerful super cat women. 
I'd quite like like a comic book series about the two of them. That sounds great. I thought you were going to say that um, she became immortal and then she was like Elmer Fudd to her Bugs Bunny and they were constantly chasing each other for all time, but your ending is much better. Yeah, I, I quite like, so they're, they're now like... Kind of cured each other. Um, but my question, Mark, sorry, before you go oh. on, is you said she had kittens, but who's banging her? Like, is there a male equivalent or is it just some, like, how is she breeding? Oh, good question, because there wasn't a male one. I guess she reproduced asexually. Oh, okay then. That's I've the only logical explanation. And then I've, I've decided that uh, her and Running Deer, based on no information at all, then raised the later kittens together and were a powerful lesbian cat couple. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. She's going to go with, because she's immortal. The only other immortal person around is her. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> have to be together. So when white settlers moved to the area and obviously started being massive fuckheads, because that's what they do, and they also began to report seeing uh, the wampus cats. And when asked about what the wampus cats were, they said that sh- the wampus cat was a gigantic cat-slash-native woman hybrid uh, who could move super fast and sometimes had six limbs, but sometimes didn't and stole their livestock. They believed them to be, uh, because when they were in women form, they were, they looked Cherokee. I, so I assume it was just like running deer and Iowa cutting about. But they said when they were in human form, they looked Cherokee. So they were obviously Cherokee witches and they'd spotted them turning back and forth from native women and obviously used this as part of their reason to persecute uh, Cherokee people, which is why when I started researching it, obviously I had the name Wampus Cat, but I've now realised that Wampus Cat was the name given by a bunch of dickheads to two really cool cat women. So <laughs> so their names are not Wampus Cat, their names are Running Deer and Iowa, and then they've obviously got their descendants. And there's still plenty of sightings of them to this day. I believe that they are definitely Iowa and Running Deer, and their children and grandchildren. Um, other explanations that have been offered are that they are an undiscovered breed of big cat, which, I mean, mm. but I'd like to think that they're magical cat ladies instead. And one of the other explanations that's been offered by white settlers in the area is that the American government spliced together the DNA of a mountain lion and a wolf to create <laughs> the creature that they see. But obviously that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Because nah. White American government scientists. Does it also have five asses? <laughs> the Cherokee Nation. So yeah. that's not what it is either. But yeah, I'd, 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 I'd like, like to think they're magical creatures. I think cats are just magical creatures in general. Like yeah. the two cats that come into my garden, I was going through a really shit time, a lot of stress, and these two cats just really made me feel better. And I think like we just connected on a spiritual level, and now they're my cats. Maybe you'll also get to become a magical cat lady. Maybe. I don't know. I'd like to be a mortal, but I don't know if I'd like to be a cat. Well, maybe I would, because cats are really cool, and they're, yeah. they're gorgeous. And would you rather be a full-time cat-faced lady, like running deer, or uh, able to turn from a cat into a woman lady like Iowa? I'd rather be like Iowa and have the, the choice to switch between the two. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Although I think they're both cool. They can also be guests on a future episode. <laughs> I've got less than these. So just to like wrap this podcast up, I just thought I would just talk about like general um, myths about cats. And one of them is they'll steal your baby's breath. 
Have you ever seen that there's um I think it's it's a Steven Spielberg directed one with I think it was like Tales from the Crypt or something like that. And little Drew Barrymore was in it and she had a cat and every night the cat would jump on her chest and try and like take her breath away, like suck the breath out of her. But then later on, spoilers, there was like a little gnome thing that was living in her room as well. And it was trying to kill or attack Drew Barrymore's character. Yeah, no, no wonder she turns drugs. So, <laughs> so, so this cat was like, no, this is my victim, not yours. So it started protecting her from the gnome thing. It, it would fight the gnome thing until like, and then eventually I think maybe it either went back to trying to like suck the life out of Drew Barrymore or became her pal or something. That's when, when I first became aware of cats and the notion that cats can like steal ch- children's breath until they suffocate. I mean... In some versions of the tale, the cat is jealous because a newborn infant is suddenly deprived of attention. Other versions say it's not jealousy, but the scent of milk on the baby's lips that inspires them. In 1791, a jury at a coroner's inquest in Plymouth, England, found a cat guilty of infanticide in this way. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a persistent myth that followed immigrants to the New World in 1929 in the Nebraska State Journal printed an alleged report from a doctor who said he'd witnessed a house cat lying on the baby's breast upon either side of the babe's mouth, the cat's lips pressing those of the child, and the infant's face as pale as that of a corpse, its lips with the blueness of death. Nah, I'd like to think that the cat's just try to give it a little kiss or something, you know? Maybe the baby was unconscious and the cat came into the room and it's getting... Yeah, like... maybe the cat was concerned for the baby because it was, like, dying of cot death or something, and the I cat was like... Iowa's a good mum, so yeah. we are good mums. They caused the Black Death, so that's a common misconception about cats, that throughout the Middle Ages they were commonly thought of as sinister beasts with the powers of witches and warlocks in cahoots with Satan. They thought a cat's bite was poisonous, as was its flesh, and if you breathed its breath, you'd be infected with consumption or tuberculosis, and they could also make your beer go sour if they felt like it. That's <laughs> Just if they felt like if it. If they felt like it, yeah. If they were bored. <laughs> You can make your go sour. So when the bubonic plague swept European continent in the 14th century, which killed up to 60% of the population in some regions, it was naturally assumed that the devil was responsible and his handiwork was attributed directly to the cats, which were his minions. Tremendous numbers of cats. And this is sad. Black ones, which is why to this day people tend not to choose black cats because of their, you know, people's think they're unlucky and they just leave cat. They, nobody takes a black cat from the cattery or, you know, adopt a black cat because they think they're oh. evil, which I personally think black cats are gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, so they were all destroyed during the wave of the plague and sometimes their owners along with them, which of course was fucking stupid because the real distributor of the plague was the oriental flea, which lives on rat and with dramatically fewer cats to keep their numbers in check, the population in Europe soared as in the rat population, as did the plague. So the joke's on them. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sick, though, because they actually hated the cats in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages. So they went from being worshipped and revered in pagan times to, again, the Christian church just fuck all, like, make everything shit, don't they? And destroy things. All of, like, like that so far is basically just, like, and they had a beautiful elephant baby. And then the church showed up and said... (laughs) And the beautiful frog came out the well to grant them a witch. And then the church showed up and said that all frogs were wankers and also all whales were wankers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The churches are just a bunch of bastards. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they tended to actually torture cats. 
they tortured them, hung them any way possible to make them like just so cruel. Like so the the Bacchanetto would be furious. I probably, I mean, imagine the the amount of generations of people being cursed for basically hurting cats. It's fucked up. I think some places in Spain had a tradition of throwing cats from towers because of the Inquisition and all that shit. <sighs> so they're lucky, but only in certain colours and uh, depends on the amount of toes they have. So sometimes cats can have an extra toe and that seemed, that seemed like a lucky thing. I found a weird thing, like my grand died last month and unfortunately, and I've, I went through her jewellery. I'm not like ransacking her or anything. She did say I could have her jewellery after her death. So I was looking through her jewellery and I found this weird animal paw in the form of a brooch and I really don't think it's a rabbit's foot but I don't know what the fuck it is I hope it's not a cat's paw I really don't know what it is it's got nails at the end of it it's got like a little ring in one of the the toes it's mounted on a like a fit there's a thistle next to it as well and I'm just like this is so bizarre I I was like I'm having that I mean yeah that's been fabulous but who that I don't know what it belonged to or what it signifies I hope it's not a brooch I don't know but I'm kind of scared to wear it in case Peter come and take me away to the jail or something right. it's probably really old i think it probably comes from like the 40s maybe or the 30s i don't know but it's I quite think the quarter would be into it i think it would like that <laughs> so some cats are that tortoiseshell cats are considered lucky particularly in japan especially the rare male ones buddhist belief says a cat with a dark coat brings promises of gold while a light colored cat brings silver in Russia, Russian blue cats are considered lucky. Polydactyl cat, which is one with extra toes, is a good luck charm, said that early sailors who sojourned to America routinely brought many-toed cats with them to ensure safe travels, which is why there's still an influx of polydactyl cats in New England today. Oh. That's okay. And in China, the older and gnarlier cat gets, the luckier it's said to become. I mean, I suppose it's lucky to live that long, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're scorned women in disguise who like to feast upon newborn babies. <laughs> of course, where do you think that comes from? I mean, Guess. I believe they're scorned women in disguise, but I don't think they like to feed on newborn babies. I imagine that was made up by the church. Yeah. Yes, it comes from the Bible, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and it links in with um, a lady that we spoke with before, which is um, Adam's sassy wife, Lilith. So she is, um, you know how you called her Screech Owl? Yes. It's also um, been known to turn into a cat as well, apparently, according to the, some Sephardic Jews. She was known as El Brusha, a demon who eats babies and takes a giant black polymorphous cat-shaped form. Nice. I don't think she'd eat a baby, but I believe the rest of that. Yeah. I mean, I believe she, she'd be like quite sexy like a cat and an owl. Yeah. They're living arms urns for human souls. So I mentioned this to you before we started the podcast that a certain sect of Buddhism once practiced in the former kingdoms of Siam and Burma, which is now like Thailand, is they believe that when you die, if you're holy enough, your soul is transferred to a cat for safekeeping. <laughs> in this way, special souls lived in a sort of feline purgatory and when the kitty died, the chaste soul would descend to paradise, which I much prefer to the Bible's version of cats. Yeah, it sounds like the absolutely perfect afterlife, like I'm saying. That's so nice. <laughs> they obviously hold the cats in high regard. They depict sleeping cats at the feet of Buddha statues. A ritual that's still tri- strictly observed during the coronation of a new Thai king is to present him with a live cat adorned in gold jewellery. In this way, it's thought that the spirit of the old king is able to witness the coronation through the cat's eyes. Oh, I 
quite like this one because it relates to Scotland. In ancient Scottish and Irish folklore, an oversized black cat with a trademark white patch on its chest, and it's called the Sith. <laughs> so if you like Star Wars, it's like, it's called the Sith. The sort of, you know, evil sides of the force. It skulks around at night looking for souls to steal. It wakes in funerals to protect the poor deceased soul from the wily cat thief. Various distractions were supplied to deter or distract it, such as catnip, which, yeah, that would work, or loud music. So a fire was also never burned in a room with a corpse because cats like to curl up by a warm fireplace. The spectral cat isn't as huge as some others and found in folk tales. It's about the size of a dog and it's secretly a witch that can turn into a cat, but she can only do it nine times. Upon the last transformation, she's stuck in cat format forever. The cat thief wasn't all bad though. Each year on the Gaelic festival of Samhain, which is coming up soon, so everyone, make sure you do this. Saucers of milk were left outside houses for her and she'd bless the houses in return. But if you didn't leave a saucer of milk for the sorceress, you'll be cursed and all your cow's milk will dry up. So I think that movie more applies to where you live, Mark, because it's more like, you know, farmland and stuff. It's very farmy here. <laughs> I mean, I don't have cows cutting about my garden, so what's she going to do? I only have a few cows in my garden, but there's cows everywhere else. So and then if you put up a saucer of milk, you know, Mathis might just drink it. So there you go. Such greed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so they can predict the weather, or rather by watching them, you can. So it says in England that a cat who claws at the curtains or the carpets is predicting windy weather. The Welsh believed that rain was coming when a cat's pupil broadened. Rain is also foretold if a cat busily washes its ears. If a cat continuously looks out a window in any day, rain is on the way. And some say that when a cat sleeps with all four paws tucked under its body, it will rain. A rainstorm is coming if the cat sleeps on its back too. Basically, if a cat does anything, it's going to rain. I really like that it's like, <laughs> if a cat walks by a bottle, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. If a cat rolls over, it might rain. If a cat sits near your TV, rain. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas your cat just screams at the rain. <laughs> There's a really weird one that I found quite funny. So it's, it's a British fable called The King of the Cat. So there's a sexton digging a grave. I don't know what a sexton is. Maybe some sort of, I don't know. Yeah. Other versions just walking down the street. He spies a clouder of nine black cats with white spots on their chests, carrying a miniature sized cat coffin with a oh. crown rest. One of the cats tells the man to tell Tommy Tildrum that Tommy Toldrum is dead. <laughs> <laughs> the astonished man returns home to his wife and relays the news. While their house cat keeps interrupting his story with frantic meows, the couple ignores him. And they continue discussing the strange occurrence amidst the racket. Finally, at the end, the man asks his wife if she knows who Tommy Tildrum is. So he can tell Tommy that Timmy has died. <laughs> Whereupon the cat cries out in the king's English, What? Old Tim dead? Then I'm the king of the cats. <laughs> at this, the house cat, who is named Old Tom, scrambles up the chimney, never to be seen again. <laughs> That's like one of my favourite cat stories ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's made me so happy it's so random and weird how do you feel if your cat did that um i'd be sad that he was gone happy that he's now the king of the cats but happy that he's now the king of the cats that make you prince of the cats no because you're really the cat sarah no, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not my cat's son <laughs> <laughs> so this is another really weird one the 
they, they live in the sea and cause storms. I've never heard of this before, but it's superstition. Really. Yeah, it's a fisherman superstition. So in the British Isles, they might throw a bit of fish back into the sea for the cat. The mythical, it's always women. The mythical cat was a woman who knew more than a Christian should, a.k.a. a witch, who went sailing with her fiancé. I thought you were going to say a.k.a. sensible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've read more than one book. <laughs> her fiancé was also a fisherman. On the voyage, she cursed the whole fleet by calling up a storm to wreck the ship as revenge upon the crew members who thought it was unlucky to have a woman on board, another stupid fucking rule, and wanted her to be drowned. She was turned I into a... I absolutely love the idea that she'd be on board reading her book and they'd be like, you need to get off. And she's like, we're at sea. And they're like, but it's unlucky. And she's like, fuck off, we're at sea. Trying to drag <laughs> her deck. And she's like, I've never mentioned this before, but I actually have control over sea storms. They're going to fuck you all up. <laughs> and then she was turned into a four-eyed cat who haunted the ocean. And the fishermen still throw her a morsel of food to appease her, lest she try it again. Many sailors and fishermen also think that a cat falls overboard, a storm will show up and the shop the ship will be capsized. So again, don't fucking mess with cats. Yes, agreed. Um there's one where like it's ill advised for a pregnant woman to pick up a cat or let it sleep in her lap because her baby will be born with the face of a cat. Oh <laughs> That would be so good. Or alternatively it'll have a war or a mole, usually a hairy one, and in England it was thought the baby was born with a cat shaped birthmark or the face of a cat. So I think I'd rather be born with the face of a cat. You'd be just running deer. Yeah, running deer. Yeah. And if a cat sneezes with an earshot of a bride on her wedding day, it's very lucky, whatever. (laughs) And then finally, in Mexico, Pueblo and Navajo country, northern Mexico and Arizona, they described a living, moving and breathing cat-shaped cactus with needles in place of fur and two sharp blades for four legs. The cactus cat Cactus cat. <laughs> like to go around slashing the bases of real cacti with its knife paws to let the milky juices collect and ferment into pulk. It would do this to 80 cacti at a time specifically. Once his work was done, the creature would return to the beginning of the circuit, get drunk on the pulk or tequila, I suppose, inside the cacti, and then go around causing trouble in the region, swiping at cowboys and leaving telltale red welts. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I have too much tequila, I also wander around areas swiping at cowboys. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us back to Orwell Peck. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, I think there's plenty more we could talk about cats, but we'll be here all fucking night. I think that's it. Meow. So, so it made me really happy. Uh, can't even say so what cat is my favourite. I love cats. Yeah, I love the, the fact that that cat just ran away to become the cat king and their family was just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe if they weren't discussing it so much, the cat wouldn't have been like bothered about it. It would never know. Yeah. But so that. yeah, everyone, cats are great and they're mystical and don't kill them. That's all I can say about that. And if you see a cat, give it a pet if it's willing. And if you see a gigantic cat, still give it a pet. Make sure you dress well as well. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you're a nice outfit though. Put on your best. Yeah. Put on your best outfit. Your Sunday best, and the cats will love you. And they so, won't eat your souls. What what are we gonna what are we gonna look at next? I wanna talk about Native Americans. Okay. Okay. I'm into that. Yeah. I think there's gonna be loads of stories. Um not just Native Americans in the US, but also Native Americans in Canada as well. Let's not forget yeah. about that. So that's what we'll do next week. I have decided. 
and hopefully Yasmin will join us this time and she's okay. So on that note, I'm going to go get some milk and some dreamies and speak to you next week. Bye everyone. Bye. Chris, so, man.